We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest has jumped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast presented as always by DraftKings.com. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. It is Thursday, October 11th, which means we have two days left in the NBA preseason. I think only two or three games tonight uh, and then a bunch on Friday. No games Saturday, Sunday or Monday, uh, which are, if you're in our business is great. It's a nice little reprieve before yeah. the start of the regular season. Uh, when things obviously kind of get kicked into high gear for the next what eight months or so, uh, but a lot to get to. You know, we haven't potted since since last week, and quite a bit has gone down in that time. Um, I think the first thing we need to talk about is Jimmy Butler, and this this went down yesterday afternoon for the most part. Um, you know, by now you know the story. It it almost seemed too good to be true, or too unbelievable to be true, and since. Pretty much every detail that came out in those overly dramatic Adrian Wojnarowski tweets has more or less been confirmed, mm-hmm. um, which is which is strange. I mean, we'll get into that whole the whole process of how that news broke, and you know, there's really not a whole lot of precedent for something like this happening. Uh, but right as we sit down to record, um, Shams Trania, Woj's former, current, future nemesis, um, is reporting that. The Wolves did not practice today. That was reported earlier this morning. They canceled practice, which I could kind of see why. Yeah. Uh, and now Jimmy Butler has called a players-only meeting, airing his feelings toward situation and management. Butler expressed to players he would compete with them as signs point to him staying with the franchise into the regular season. Uh, that's all quoted from Shams' tweet. So it, it seems like this, this stalemate is going to now drag into the regular season. I mean, it's been, what, two or three weeks now since Butler made the request. At the time, it seemed very likely that, you know, the teams that he named or a team like Miami or the Lakers or whoever would step in. And it seems like really Miami's the only team that's kind of made serious offers. And and even then, um, the offers that they've made apparently are not serious enough for what my, or what uh, 
Minnesota is looking for. Right. And I think there you have to kind of consider, you know, there there was those handful of teams that Jimmy Butler said were on his list that he wanted to play for and what kind of assets that they have. But I just don't know, you know, how many teams are willing to pay Jimmy Butler a four or five year max when he's 30 years old. He plays about 65 games a year there. I think it's a fair question to ask if he can if you could win a title with him as your best player. And if you pay him the max, you probably need someone better than him also on the max. And then you start getting into other issues. Okay. Well, I'll answer that question. You cannot win a title in the current (laughs) NBA with Jimmy Butler as your best player. I think maybe 10 years ago, you could have, you know, you would have to have Jimmy Butler as like your Detroit Pistons, Chauncey Billups and, you know, a really nice six or seven man core around him. But that team today would, would be like the sixth seed in the East. You know I mean? I think the, the high-end talent in the NBA right now, you know, Jimmy Butler maybe would have been a top five or six player 15 years ago. You know, right now he's probably top 15 or 20. And that's not really a knock on Butler. It just speaks to how much talent there is overall. Um, you know, I mean, we've seen guys that are kind of in Butler's tier, you know, Kyrie, Kawhi is obviously better than Butler, but, you know, I don't think he's a top two or three guy like LeBron, Durant, Paul George, Curry, Harden, Paul extent. George. Like all these guys want to go be the man. Uh, but that requires you to play with guys who are either as good as, as you or worse than you. You know, like right. no, everybody's saying nobody wants to go play with LeBron in LA. I don't think it's that players don't necessarily want to play with LeBron or, you know, don't respect LeBron. I think it's when you're playing with LeBron, it's LeBron's team. We've seen that happen over and over. It happened to Chris Bosh, Kevin Love, Kyrie, Dwayne Wade, Danielle Marshall, um, you know, guys like that who've teamed up with LeBron. It becomes his team. Um, so for someone like Butler to, to have his own team and be the man, it, it kind of requires him to have no teammates who are better than him, which right. is not necessarily a winning formula, but it seems like that's exactly what he's looking for. Yeah. And that was something I was actually going to bring up. I mean, at this point with all we know about Jimmy Butler and even, even to some extent before this whole practice thing blew up, I mean, do you trust Jimmy Butler to, I guess, I mean, yeah, I, it's hard to imagine him not being quote unquote, the guy on his team not being the option um not being the leader of a team it's kind of odd to think about him being essentially the second option because it's very clear he has no intention of wanting to be a second option um and if you if you look at all the teams that he wanted to go to he would very very clearly be the first option on those teams miami definitely Mm -hmm. although i'm not sure how he would get along with hassan whiteside uh brooklyn very clearly um the clippers clearly although you know it depends who they send back harris is there but like clearly mm-hmm. jimmy butler's better than tobias harris or danilo gallinari lou williams mm-hmm. guys like that i mean every team that's won a title with the exception of the spurs since 2011 has had lebron james or kevin durant and steph curry you know so, i mean like you in, in the way that today's league is set up i don't understand you know what the goal is for a guy like butler like you, you either you kind of have to pick one or the other if you want to go to brooklyn and have your own team that's all well and good but you can't expect to win a title right away you know I, unless there's some irrational confidence going on which seems like there could you know it could very well be the case given what we saw yesterday right um but i mean i think the more interesting point right now is like the regular season is five days away tuesday night uh, i think i think minnesota opens up on on either wednesday or thursday there's only two games on on the real opening night um but if, if he's not traded by then, it sounds like he's going to play. So he, less than a week after storming into practice, kicking everybody's ass with a bunch of with a bunch of third stringers, this guy's going to now show up after you know presumably doing the same thing over the next week. I mean, he's it sounds like he's not really integrating himself into real practice. He's just showing up for the scrimmage portion and then leaving hijacking it right and like i mean i think there are a lot of organizations that would suspend a player or just tell him not to come the fact that no one even challenged him you know coaches executives teammates is a little strange um i mean it's jimmy butler it's not lebron it's not durant uh so to me that that's a little odd but i mean is he he's going to come out on opening night how is how is that dynamic going to work like is he going to get booed by the fans in minnesota it's like how how do you expect this guy to start opening night alongside two players who he's been calling out you know in the media on instagram in person like how is this dynamic going to work I've, i'm very we've never really seen a situation like this uh well first of all i kind of want to know who these third stringers were right we need uh, names we need names because i only the the timberwolves barely have a second string i mean if he if he was running with ties jones and josh Kogi and base job and being i mean that's a that's a different story rather right. than you know uh, but 
Yeah, I I mean, I would anticipate the Wolves fans booing Jimmy Butler and I assume Tom Thibodeau as well, but I don't know how the fans would feel. Like, let's say let's say the Timberwolves start off 8-0, which isn't like a far-off possibility. I mean, they were on track to be the third seed in the West before Jimmy Butler got hurt, so like they could easily have a great start. It's like, then are the fans back on his side? Like, But then but he's clearly, he well, turned he's, down the max deal. He's still trying to, to get traded while he's playing. Exactly. You know? like what? So I, I'm not really sure how. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's not a great dynamic where it's like the guy is clearly playing to get traded. Right. And I don't know if the Wolves think, I don't know if their hope now is that they just hope he plays so well that his stock actually increases tray offers start flying in more tray offers fly in and then once you know once the playoff picture starts to settle out around the trade deadline and the all-star break that maybe a better offer will be available Mm -hmm. although it'll only be for a half season there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of complicated pieces there so from a reporting perspective do you take any issue with how all this developed you know like at first it was kind of word or mouth like you know Woj got this scoop this is crazy i can't believe it and then you start to like parse out the wording in these tweets and it was I mean, I don't think Woj has really commented on it, but it was very clearly contrived in some way. You know, like uh, most people who are listening to this podcast have probably followed Woj on Twitter for several years. He is not one to insert any sort of emotion. You know, if you're talking about formulating tweets in a professional manner, he's in like the top, you know, 0.1%. You know, to say at the end of a tweet, you know, after after providing a, a couple sentences of analysis from sources to say, he marched out like a mic drop. Butler delivered a tour de force. Uh, Woj, I've, I've been following Woj on Twitter for years, probably. I read almost everything mm-hmm. he has ever tweeted in that time frame. I have almost never seen him editorialize right. anything. Butler and dominated the gym in every way. Jimmy's back. People, Jimmy's people, back? Pe- yeah, right. Jimmy, like in what context? People, yeah, what? people in the replies were like, this reads like a satire, like sports right. writer tweet. Like this doesn't feel like, like a Woj thing. I don't, I don't think that Woj is somehow like being paid off by Butler's camp. You know, like it's just a weird, the, the Rachel Nichols aspect of the story. Like yes. Butler left the gym after whooping everybody's ass and went straight to an interview about how he just whooped everybody's ass. Yeah, I I mean, I kind of understand it. I mean, if you're ESPN, your, your job, if you get a tip like this and someone says, hey, Jimmy Butler wants to talk, of course, you're going to take that interview. You know, I don't think anybody's faulting ESPN or Rachel Nichols, but the, the Woj aspect of it is is very strange. You know, you almost do feel like he was told, hey, here's what's going to happen. This is how we'd like you to, right. you know, provide the news to everyone. But on the other hand, it, from what Woj tweeted, like no one has disputed it. No one has said, right. hey, no, he didn't beat up on Carl Anthony Towns. No, he didn't like... From all as weird as the tweets are worded, they all seem to be true, right? And I, I think I'm pretty sure Rachel Nichols tweeted out that Jimmy Butler contacted her or ESPN or however that works mm-hmm. the night before and said, "Hey, I'm ready to talk." And so she was out in Minnesota yep. already, and then the, all this you know happened, and then he immediately went to sit down. But it's like you're you're right in the fact that no one has disputed what Woj has tweeted. But it's not clear who, I mean, Jimmy Butler himself could have tweeted, said, hey, Woj, this is what happened. Right. If you want me to have this sit down interview, you should word mm. things like this. Like Woj wasn't there. Woj, well, yeah, Woj was not there. Someone told him this happened. Right. It's not immediately clear. Um, it's just kind of a very, it kind of, um, it kind of like breaks the illusion, mm-hmm. sort of. Like when you realize that like, all of these things weren't, none of this was spontaneous. Like right. he clearly went in there with the intention to make a scene and then to immediately yes. come out to ESPN. Still pretty awesome. Though. It's like a quote unquote brand thing. But oh yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a Jimmy Butler fan or Jimmy Butler hater, but the fact that he was able to, to do what he did is, um, yeah, is really cool. It's just a badass thing to do. <laughs> it's an extremely <laughs> badass thing to do. The longer he stays with the Wolves, the better this is going to get. Oh yeah. Right? Like, even if they're winning, I don't think it matters. Like at some point, it's going to boil over. I mean, I don't know how it didn't yesterday. You'd think yeah. that would be enough to push almost anyone over the top. But I mean, whether it's uh, you know they lose a game, you know whether Towns has an off night, like this isn't just he's not just going to one day snap back and be like, I want to stay with the Timberwolves. Like it's just no. going to keep getting worse and worse the longer that this goes on. And I think eventually he'll get he'll get dealt. You know, I mean, at some point you can't you can't just lose them for nothing. You know, right now I, I somewhat understand Minnesota not wanting to give in, you know, it sounds like their, their asking prices have been beyond exorbitant, you know, asking 
Ben Simmons for Jimmy Butler is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but at some point, they're going to have to cave because they're losing leverage every day. Um, and especially if, if, if he does end up playing for them and it turns into, you know, as much of a, a word I don't want to use right now, you know, I think like the, a, the a leverage circus. is right. A circus. <laughs> sure. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's just going to keep getting worse and worse. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll keep monitoring Twitter as we record. And, you know, if anything comes of this players only meeting, we'll be sure to, to jump back into that. Um, on a slightly sadder note, actually a much sadder note, Dejounte Murray. Yeah. Um, torn ACL over the weekend. I, I was kind of tuned into college football, NFL a weekend. Didn't, didn't even notice that he had potentially gotten hurt. And all of a sudden the news kind of came out of nowhere, um, on, on late Sunday, early Monday. And he's done for the year, you know, and an ACL isn't what it used to be, but it's still a, you know, at almost any point in the year, you're going to miss the entire season. Um, you know, a player like Murray, I mean, like you never want to see anybody go down, but like he's on the short list of like guys that everybody was excited to watch yes. this year. Um, you know, I mean, on paper, not a great fit with, with LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, but you knew the Spurs were going to make it work. The nice thing is with San Antonio, if there's a silver lining, it's like, Hey, we got, a bunch of other young guys now we get to take a look at Derek White you know mm-hmm. Patty Mills not a young guy but he'll he'll step up a little bit probably see more Bryn Forbes but I mean I really don't have anything to say about this other than I feel really bad for DeJounte Murray and you know he'll be back next year and we'll kind of have to put this on hold yeah I, I feel bad for him as well because he was I mean he was really primed I mean he was on kind of everybody's list as a breakout player he was you know if we talk about like if we're actually getting into fantasy basketball he was gonna be a sleeper um and now it's like there's this weird void at point guard for the spurs where it's like it Derek white has shown some you know ability but he's actually a little hurt now mm-hmm. there's no it's not exactly um clear how serious it is but he's dealing with some left heel pain which heel injuries are not generally a good thing we kind of saw that mike conley situation last so year you was want, a heel generally pain. you want as few of heel injuries as few. <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's uh it's really just an unfortunate situation and um we might we we're going to talk about um some like vegas odds later but it's kind of interesting for the spurs playoff chances since the west is what it is um and i mean a lot of people just kind of pencil san antonio in because they're san antonio but um dejounte murray is supposed to be a pretty significant part of what they Mm -hmm. were going to do and now that he's gone i think you do have to actually start raising legitimate concerns that they might not make the playoffs Right. Um, I mean, I I like Derek White. A lot of people are excited to see what he can do. Right. But I mean, this is a team that I think I was on record as saying I thought would finish third or fourth in the West. And it wasn't necessarily because of DeJounte Murray, but it's just just the drop off. You know, they have basically a week to prepare now to be without the guy who was, you know, you know, sharpied in as the starting point guard. Um, I would never bet against Greg Popovich. I think DeRozan's going to be a lot better there than people are expecting. But I mean, the ceiling on this team is probably lowered a, a decent amount. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, let's take a quick break so I can tell you about our sponsors. We are, of course, brought to you by DraftKings.com. The NBA season is right around the corner. It's a few days away. We partnered up with DraftKings to bring you a Rotowire six-month membership for free. Here's how it works. Go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings, sign up for a new account, and make a deposit of at least $10, at which point you will get six months of access to all tools and sports on rotowire.com, which includes DFS lineup optimizers, weekly rankings, premium articles, full season draft software and much more you get all that for ten dollars which you can then enter into more contests on draftkings.com to win even more money we're super excited to bring you this deal again this season if you want access right away go to rotowire.com draftkings and follow the instructions eligibility restrictions do apply new DraftKings users only see draftkings.com for details we are also brought to you by a new sponsor loot crates Loot Crate is a premier monthly subscription box delivered directly to your door with exclusive pop culture collectibles, apparel, and gear. Everything you get in your crate each month is curated and designed by Loot Crate, and you won't be able to find these exclusive items anywhere else. Loot Crate has delivered over 30 million crates and counting. Their most popular crate features items from big-time brands like DC, Marvel, Blizzard, Harry Potter, Nickelodeon, WWE, Fallout, and many others. Each crate guarantees you a t-shirt as well as a slew of other items valued at at least $45. Most often, much more than $45. You'll get all of that for less than $20 per month. 
Loot Crate also offers sports-themed crates, which is why they're advertising here. They sent us one earlier this week. Can't confirm. It was fantastic. Got a very cool t-shirt out of it. Subscribe now to Loot Crate by going to lootcrate.com slash rotowire. And if you enter our promo code rotowire, that's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, you'll save 30% off. That's a pretty decent amount of percent. Uh, again, go to lootcrate.com slash rotowire. Use our promo code rotowire. That'll get you 30% off your subscription. All right, let's get into just general preseason stuff. Okay. Um, I want to talk about Aiton and Doncic first. Uh, I, I think... I think those two have kind of separated themselves uh, on a separate tier right now, both in terms of fantasy and non-fantasy, to be honest. I mean, you and I have done a bunch of drafts in the last couple of weeks. Um, and and I think, you know, we're seeing Aiden especially is rising. I know Shannon did an FBKC draft last night, and he said Aiden went like 30. 28. 28? Was it 28? You can, wow. I mean, yeah, if, you, if, you're in a, uh, if you're in a fantasy draft, you're going to be in one very soon. If Aiden is... At f- if you're at 40 and Aiton is there and you don't take him, you're not getting him. Like it's it's yeah. becoming that clear at this point. Yeah, he. Uh, I did an NFBKC draft earlier this week. He went 26 in that draft. I mean, yeah. um, I've been. You know, we we do our projections on the site. I've bumped him up like three separate times already. I've I've bumped him up in our manual rankings as well. Um, you know, at some point, like we don't want to project him for that. You know, like t- for him to be the 26th best player in fantasy, yes. it, it would kind of be a. I wouldn't say an outlandish projection, but you know we tend to be more conservative and aggressive with things like that. Right. But he's looked really good. Um, you know, I kind of I kind of thought watching him at Arizona, watching him in summer league, you know, he was gonna he was gonna spend too much time floating around the perimeter, trying to do maybe a little too much, which is not really a knock. It's just what rookies in the NBA do. But he's basically focused on what he does well so far yes. in the preseason. He's dunking everything. He's rebounding everything. He's blocking shots much better than people thought. He's moving a lot better on defense than I thought he would. Um, and you know, I mean, I think a lot of people are already starting to talk about, you know, how the Kings and the Hawks are really going to regret not taking Luka Doncic, which I do think is going to come true in the future. Uh, and the Suns sometimes get mentioned with that too. You know, I, I know their, their head coach obviously has you know very close connection to Luka Doncic, but I, I wouldn't say right now that Phoenix is, is disappointed with how things are going. No, I mean, when you watch Aiden play, he's just like the most... I, I, I'm going to say stereotypical, like pick and roll, kind of post up traditional big man. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like every screen that he sets, he makes contact with a guy. He immediately turns and rolls to the basket. He's a huge target. He's a lot. He can get up close to the rim faster than you think. Like he doesn't, to me, he doesn't look like someone that could just like bounce up and dunk, but mm. he does like effortlessly. He's very springy when he runs too. Exactly. And they are making a concerted effort to feed him in the post. They try to a lot. I've watched, I think, probably three of those preseason games. Mm. That's all they do. And I think to some extent, um, that's because Devin Booker's out. And so Aiton is really only going to is going to be their only consistent source of offense other than maybe like Shaq Harrison. Yes, yeah, Shaq Harrison and TJ Warren. <laughs> um so yeah exactly the real shack and um so uh, it'll be interesting to see how things evolve once Devin Booker's back because a lot of people are kind of projecting him for this like James Hargan role but then in theory Aiton would be the Clint Capella and who could actually post up as well and we're Aiton someone with a high free throw percentage Mm -hmm. you can't hack him like if he's you know if he's got the advantage down low you can't grab him because he's going to shoot 70 percent from the line not yeah he's not a great free throw shooter but he's far from a disastrous free throw shooter which is you know if you're shooting 70 percent as a 7-1 rookie i think that's pretty damn good um his jump shot to me like i don't love the follow-through it's kind of a quick you know just kind of looks like a carmelo yeah right exactly i was gonna say sean marion it's not like that it's yeah it's (laughs) definitely more mellow where he brings the hands down which you know for big men it can be a little dangerous uh but it's it's worked i mean he's he's not getting dragged out to the three-point line yeah i I don't think he attempted a three in summer league which is really surprising because he he did that a decent amount in Arizona, due in part to the fact that they had another true center who was all you know it's planted in the paint quite a bit. So I think, for the most part, they're just going to use him, you know, almost as a. I, I hesitate to use this word, but you know, an old school, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily back to the basket, but in the paint type of center, which for fantasy purposes is good because that's going to keep his field goal percentage up. It's going to keep the rebounds up, and like I said, I think the shot blocking has been better than people expected. Uh, Jabari Parker, yes, not looking great so far he he uh was like what one for 13 i think against the bucks a couple a couple nights ago he ended up getting benched Mm -hmm. for their game um on wednesday night 
right and left the arena without talking to reporters he was asked that. at he was asked at practice today about the the role switch and just kind of dismissed it didn't you know just said no comment yeah. um yeah i mean he was 5 of 14 in their preseason opener he was 1 of 12 against Milwaukee 3 of 11 against Charlotte and then 4 of 12 off the bench last night doesn't look like he's in great shape um defensively i mean there's already in in like half of four preseason games bulls writers are already tweeting out like blooper reels of him on defense i, I don't think anybody's rooting against jabari parker i no. mean we we were talking about him in the office here you know obviously being in wisconsin everyone here is aware of the situation i think everyone wants him to do well it just it the same issues that he had in milwaukee the same reason the bucks didn't want to pay him a gigantic extension uh shockingly have carried over to chicago yeah, I watched. Um, I was really excited for him to to debut on the Bulls. I watched uh, their first preseason game. He actually his first preseason game was his best preseason game. But even watching that, it felt like he he. I mean, he looked like he hadn't really been playing basketball mm-hmm. over the summer. Just from like a physical standpoint, he seemed rusty. His dribbling still hasn't really improved that much. Um, it's kind of you know he's a guy who when you when you think about archetype of player that he is he's kind of this just ball dominant scoring wing who doesn't play great defense he's the exact player that everyone says hey i'd love to have that guy for 22 minutes a game off the bench he can maybe come in get 15 to 20 points for me the defensive thing doesn't really matter um because we can just iso him and, and eat some eat some clock but um he is clearly not ready for that type of role in his career yet and i get that because you know he I mean, he has confidence in himself, but I can't. Um, it's clear that Fred Hoiberg thinks that Bobby Porter's might be better than Jabari Parker, and he certainly uh, looked better. He was yeah, good last night, and he has looked better. So um, it's it's definitely a cause for concern. And this is completely outside of injuries. Like yeah, unless right. you know, unless Jabari just didn't play all summer because he was worried about an injury situation. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't want to get hurt. Over I the guess. Summer. Yeah. I mean that's. But um, I mean, Bobby Portis has scored no fewer than 17 points in all four preseason games. And obviously, like, I mean, his usage rate was higher than Paul George's last year. I mean, this is a guy that gets shots up when he's on the court. So that's part of it. But I mean, there's really no debate. He's been significantly better than Jabari on both ends, especially on D. Yeah. And so, I mean, if we're talking fantasy, you have to have actual concern about drafting Jabari Parker, where people are saying yes. like everyone's like, oh, you could take Jabari like maybe 70 if you're feeling it, 90s if I don't want to say you can't take him with your ninth or tenth pick or anything like that, but you, it's. I think you have safer options right. at this point. I don't know if there's a player outside of guys who've gotten hurt whose stock has fallen more in the preseason. Like it's hard. It's pretty hard to affect your fantasy stock in the preseason. You know, I yes. mean, and most guys are limited. You know, maybe once or twice you'll play your real rotation for a half or for three quarters. So it's kind of hard to play poorly enough that it would really affect your stock and he's managed to do that yeah um let's talk about the bucks real quickly i don't know you know no specific players but they've looked very good um yeah. in, in the new mike budenholzer system they beat up on the bulls pretty good beat them by i think almost 40 more than 40 i don't know I'm yeah not, i'm I mean, not the very bulls good at looked a little disinterested 34. but at the same time yes. yes yeah so that was that was last week and Giannis had 19 13 and 5 you know it, it's a completely different system and you could tell by the way you know they were the players were asked you know like you know, what's the difference you know now that you've had some time to play under Budenholzer in this system and nobody wanted to to trash Jason Kidd or throw him under the bus but like the you could just tell like the guys were thrilled I yeah. think to to be playing in this system you can tell there's more freedom I think there's more confidence um you know in the coaching staff more confidence in the game plan and you know we we've talked about over-unders James and I have in the past and I'd I'm starting to like the Bucks over under more and more. I think it's at 48 and a half, which is a high number. Um, but this team won 44 games last year, mid-season coaching change, a lot of injuries in the backcourt, really no reliable center play whatsoever. Like it, it, it does seem like asking a few more wins out of this team is almost, you know, if Giannis stays healthy, is almost a guarantee. Yeah, 44 wins for last season's Bucks team feels like the floor. Like yeah. I couldn't really see them losing more games than they lost. They lost. They had a stretch around Christmas where like they lost to the Bulls twice, lost to the Hornets. Like they had some really, really bad losses on the schedule that you'd think they would clean up this year. Yeah, and in regards to, I'm glad you mentioned the players uh, talking about Mike Bugenholzer. I, I 
I remember I retweeted some stuff. Chris Middleton said, quote, in the past, you could barely walk halfway through the practice. Coach Bug is all about getting your work in, being smart, and taking care of your body. Really just interesting right. concept there by Bugenholzer. Well, um, it's comments like that. He's not saying anything about Jason Kidd, but you get the implication. Right. And um, David Locke tweeted something really interesting. So these are the preseason numbers for the Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks, who last year took 56% of their shots in the restricted area and threes, have now upped that to 82% of their shots in the restricted area or threes in the preseason. So it goes from 56 to 82%. Uh, when you talk about just like high efficiency offenses, um, the Bucks have the personnel to to do that sort of a thing. I mean, you want Giannis in the restricted area as much as possible. You have Chris Middleton, who's a top-tier three-point shooter. Malcolm Brogdon can shoot threes. Eric Bledsoe hits them when he's open. You have Brooke Lopez, Ursan. I mean, like you said, it's it's hard not to I I would not take the under on the on the Bucks over under. I just it's it's really hard to imagine a scenario in which they don't play like in significantly better than they did last year. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. They'll be fun to watch. Top of the East is going to be a lot of fun. Bottom of the East, not so much. Um, Lakers Warriors last night. Uh, I was able to catch that one live. We've rewatched it one and a half times this morning already in the office <laughs> as NBA TV just keeps replaying it. Uh, it was the highest rated preseason game ever televised, which is not really all that shocking. There's no. really not been that many like marquee preseason games, uh, but they played that one in Las Vegas. The Lakers played their what you'd think would be their their kind of A rotation for like two and a half quarters. And, you know, it was, a, it was a back and forth game. Draymond didn't play for Golden State. Um, obviously, they don't have Boogie Cousins yet. Uh, but the Lakers certainly look competitive. I'm I'm still very skeptical of this team. You know, I think they could finish anywhere from fifth to like 10th in the West. <laughs> I, I really don't think their ceiling is that high unless they make an addition midseason you know, I, I get that this is a much better supporting cast than LeBron had last year, but you know, you're in a much more difficult conference. Schedule is much more difficult. Um, there's just gonna, there's gonna be a lot of 50-50 games for this team, and I, I still have my my doubts as to how everything's going to come together. LeBron always seems to start slow, you know, in a new environment. Um, but you know, I mean, Brandon Ingram looked better last night. Really, really good. Uh, I think he finished with what 26. I want to say like that. Yeah. Uh, Lonzo is back was okay i mean like i said to you earlier today like i i'm not worried about him playing poorly i'm really not all that worried about the jump shot i'm just worried about him like getting marginalized with lebron there and you know with brondo there like they had him playing off ball a lot last night you know he played a decent amount of minutes and he just i didn't really feel like he was affecting the game all that much and it's his first preseason game back and it's a preseason game so certainly not too much to read into but you know, the way it looked last night, um, it wasn't just going to be, all right, Lonzo's running the show when he's out there. He looked like a little bit more of a bit player, which which is fine. I mean, as you're, as you're reintegrating him, but I do wonder how that's going to go over in the long term if that's if that keeps up in the regular season. Yeah, I think uh, in our Western Conference roundtable, uh, I had them pegged between sixth and fourth seed, the Lakers, because I figured, yeah, they probably will make one of those, you know, buyout candidates, like maybe Robin Lopez, like I hear that name thrown mm-hmm. um, around for a center. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, coach Luke Walton said that he was going to make a concerted effort to play ball a lot with James, um, uh, for that preseason game. And I don't know if they're going to play that much together during the regular season. I think it was a lot about finding comfort when they end up sharing the court together, but you're right. Ball looks kind of like a non-factor. He was just kind of out there like floating around and I saw I mean, one thing that was really encouraging is everyone talks about how LeBron's teams play slow, which is contrary to how, you know, Luke Walton says they want to play and how everyone says they want to play. But I mean, LeBron was clearly pushing the tempo the entire time, um, getting the rebound, um, running out like incredibly fast in transition or at least taking the ball out and immediately firing up to, you know, usually Lonzo Ball, who was basically standing at half court. Right. Um, and it seemed like, you know, uh, LeBron was getting the ball to Lonzo like trying to at least keep him involved but um yeah i'm not sure what we saw is like the it's not really the final product no 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 but um it was actually i watched the first half of that game and i was surprised that the score was basically tied because i felt like the warriors were just kind of dominating like it 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 felt like the warriors had control of the game like kd was just making everything Mm -hmm. he took steph was putting on a show but 
and you look at the score and like the game's tied. Yeah. And so um, that I was not expecting. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm not too worried about Lonzo. I think for him to be effective the way they used him last night, the jump shot has to be there. And yes. on his first shot, it wasn't. That was an air ball. On his second three. Great follow trick, through on right. the first it looked though. it looked better um <laughs> his second one he made uh from from the left wing like if you're going to like he was out there with rondo a lot too not only with lebron like if you're in that situation you have to play lonzo off ball you know he's by yeah. default he's a better three-point shooter than rondo or at least more willing to shoot I and mean, the percentages with rondo have been like sneaky decent these last few years but you know he's not somebody that defenses are gonna key on whatsoever um you know i, I think lonzo's primary value is as like he has to be your primary ball handler when he's out there you know, I mean, if you want to split it with LeBron, if they're out there together, you know, I get that. But it's so much of his value on offense last year was getting the ball, pushing it ahead, getting steals, pushing it ahead. Like, he was never the guy running the wing, you know. And, and I get that he has a high basketball IQ. He's a great passer. LeBron hasn't played with a lot of guys like that. So there is some value. Like, he's not going to hurt you when he's out there at the two. Uh, I just don't think you're maximizing what he provides on offense if you're going to be using him off ball for long stretches. Yeah, and, you know, the, the it will be interesting to see what they do because – they the lakers are pretty it seems like they're pretty committed to playing a lot of small ball I and mean, javel has been out there 20 ish minutes a night and then they basically play kuzma at center the rest of the time mm-hmm. and theoretically with those lineups ball could be your not the one non-shooter that you have on the court if you want to consider ball a non-shooter that's still very much like right up in the air completely uh i'm pretty high in ball in general like i think he'll i think you'll figure the shot out i like him mm-hmm. as a player um so i think it'll work out and i think Luke Walton's going to try to find a way to get him on the court because I think coaches always want to try to get their best players on the court together. Um, so I'm not super concerned about his playing time or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, um, it's a tough adjustment for any second year player yeah. to have LeBron James join the team. Kind of asking his play style to right. change. Well, Lonzo's such a unique type of player, too, that, you know, even with, with Kyrie, you know, it clearly wasn't the smoothest transition for him, but. No. He was a scoring guard, is a scoring guard, and he's going to score no matter what. You know, whereas with Lonzo, it's like if, if he's not put in the right position to do the very unique things that Lonzo Ball does well, you know, there's not as much value. Whereas like Kyrie, yeah, maybe you won't, maybe you're only getting like 80% of Kyrie when LeBron's there because LeBron is so ball dominant. But what Kyrie gives you is still super, super valuable. Whereas, you know, Ball's value, I think, is a little bit diminished alongside LeBron. The nice thing is he'll always have trade value, you know, not, oh, I, yeah. like, I think the Lakers will certainly see this out. Like there's no way they're, they're shopping ball right now, but no. you know, if, if it gets to mid season and they just can't find a way to make it work, it's not like they, they're just going to have to dump them. You know, somebody will want Lonzo ball. That's for sure. Okay. Let's look at some NBA futures. Um, I know you've taken a look at this. You're going to write an article uh, for the site that kind of analyzes some of these. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about title odds just because I honestly think it's that much of a foregone conclusion. That's fair. Again, like I, I will say, you know, assuming Boston, it comes out of the East, which is you know not a lock by any means, but I think Boston last year, even without Kyrie and Hayward, would have given Golden State a better run than LeBron's Cavs. Um, yes, I mean, oh Le- yeah, without a doubt. Right. Yeah. I mean, like LeBron's Cavs were were somehow better than the Celtics, but the Celtics would have, I think I would have picked the Celtics to get a game off the Warriors. It was just a better matchup, I think, like deeper player. player. Right, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's, I I think LeBron, yeah, LeBron's good enough to drag that team past a team like the Celtics, clearly not good enough to even come close to beating the Warriors. Um, This version of the Celtics, you know, I'm not picking anybody to beat the Warriors. Like, even if Jimmy Butler ends up in Houston, I wouldn't pick Houston against the Warriors. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think this team is just that good. Um, But yeah, I don't want to talk about title odds because I just think it's kind of, kind of a moot point um until until this era of, of warriors basketball is over but six man of the year is an mm-hmm. interesting one um i know you've, you've taken a look at these who do you like you know in terms of you know maybe not the favorites but somebody that it makes sense to, to put a little money on so this one's definitely gonna be in my article i go into this one in a little detail tyreek evans uh is the has the fourth best odds and he's at plus 650 which i like uh lou williams is the favorite and I last year was such an anomaly with Williams essentially having the best year of his career um, past the age of 30 and the Clippers dealing with an insane amount of injuries that caused him to be almost an all-star. I mean, that's how much usage he was getting. People were very upset that he was not an all-star. <laughs> Extremely upset. And they're like, what are we going to do? Are we going to put CJ McCollum or, you know, or, uh, yeah. you know, these other players in? I don't know. But um, I think Tyreek Evans at plus 650 is fair. I mean, he... Indiana is a team that's going to be going for it's going to 
be trying very hard for home court advantage in the playoffs this year. I think it's a possibility. Um, a lot of these awards are about narrative and the Pacers made essentially no significant offseason moves except getting Tyreek Evans. They didn't change their coach, none of that. So if they increase their record, if they get home court advantage in the playoffs, if Tyreek Evans plays 65 games and is, you know, um, he's, you know, we, he, if he does what we expect him to do, which is essentially be a great six man, I think he has a strong chance, mm-hmm. like a very strong chance of winning it. And at plus 650, I think that's a, that's a pretty solid bet to make. Yeah. No, I think so as well. Um, yeah, I would like Lou Williams at plus three hundred. Like, it's just not. I wouldn't do not it. a good enough number. Uh, nobody's won back to back Six Man of the Year award since nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety two. That was Parks and Rec star Detlef Schrempf. Oh, okay. Kevin McHale also did it in the mid eighties. Uh, so it's been a while, and obviously Lou won it last year. Um, I mean, Randall at two twenty is very interesting, but I don't know that he's going to be the six man. Like that might be the concern is like he's going to start too many games. I don't know if there's really a qualification. There is. I well, there is. According to Wikipedia, I actually oh, googled this because no, I'm, I'm, I'm putting Julius Randall in my article as a long shot pick because he's plus two. He's plus twenty two hundred, which is very good odds. Um, you I, at this point, you just basically have to start fewer games than you come off oh. the bench for. And I think there is a strong chance that Julius Randle starts fewer than 41 games if Alvin Gentry wants to put as much floor spacing as possible right. around Anthony Davis in the starting lineup. Julius Randle could come off the bench, uh, you know, play 28 minutes. He averaged basically 14, 7, and 3 on over 15 on over 50% shooting when he saw between 20 and 29 minutes last season. If if the Pelicans do well and he puts up those numbers. He those are those are six man those are numbers that are good enough to win you six man of yeah. the year so plus twenty two hundred right I think I the know. the bigger risk there is that he doesn't qualify right exactly. not that's that he doesn't play well yeah right. right I think no he if if you could guarantee me that he comes off the bench for sixty percent of the season I think that would be my favorite pick by far Kuzma at twenty eight hundred that yeah not terrible I mean if the Lakers that that would almost to me mean like there would have to be some team success behind it where like the yes. Lakers are better than expected Kuzma. He could put up similar numbers to last year, but you know, if he has a couple big moments, I, I think you know he would kind of have the the popular vote, if that makes sense. Yeah, Melo winning it would be hilarious. That would be one of the fun. Like he would. I don't think. I think he would decline the award. Yeah, like he would just <laughs> just give it to the next guy. I don't think he would want the Sixth Man of the Year award. Uh, he would like quietly accept it in a hallway. They wouldn't give it to him at midcourt. Uh, but he's at thirty four hundred. I mean, that's not the craziest one. That's another one too. Where like if the Rockets win. 63 games you know and he yeah. has a somewhat of a bounce back year he would have a little bit of a narrative and you can pair some of these together theoretically like if you like yeah if you like the pacers over you could just you could take tyreek evans right for six man of the year because it makes sense same with houston although mellow is the same situation where you know how many games is he going to actually come off the bench right. for um so that's that's a tough one i don't know about any of these longer shots uh ursan at five thousand is, <laughs> is pretty interesting i don't know he would have to take so many charges for one dollar on that just out of respect right as, he'd as have to average fans. like five charges per 36 i think to yeah. get that um yeah i don't really like any of the other ones seth curry at plus twelve thousand. <laughs> i don't know maybe he hasn't played in, he could kind of get like a dual comeback player of the year slash six man right um scoring title has some interesting ones. So Harden won it last year. He's at plus one ninety five. He's been in the top two, I think the last for sure the last three years, maybe even the last four years without looking. I think so. Um, so it makes sense that he's the the odds on favorite. Davis at plus two forty. Giannis at plus six hundred. LeBron plus nine fifty. Devin Booker plus twelve hundred. Those yeah. are the top five. I, I mean, I, obviously I like all those guys. There's a reason they're in the top five. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, Booker, nah coming off the coming off the wrist injury maybe i mean if i think that's just you you have to assume that you know he's going to pl- he's basically going to try to be james harden and it's a that's a fair you know i think if you have that logic that's not that's not bad logic to have but um i think that one I, that just feels a lot more of like devin booker like in general hype i don't know if that scoring title is uh, realistic enough for me to bet on it personally i like russell westbrook at plus 1600 like he has he has obviously knee concerns um and people are worried about his health heading into the season but westbrook's got the scoring title title twice um and each of the and and that's been in the past four years and 
I don't know. He just Mello's not there. Like their their offense is so barren outside of Russell Westbrook and Paul George, and to some extent Stephen Adams. And I know Schroeder's there now, but it. I mean, to me, it's it would not be shocking if Russell Westbrook, who everyone knows loves to score the ball, led the league in scoring this year. And plus sixteen hundred feels like pretty good odds for someone like Russell Westbrook to to get the scoring title. Yeah, I mean, anybody on the long shot list? I think Damian Lillard. I wouldn't call him a long shot. I thought about Lillard. He has a seventh best odds. Not really a long shot, but you know, plus eighteen hundred isn't terrible. Durant plus twenty three hundred. Like for Durant and Curry, they're both at plus twenty three hundred. Like for all these awards, they would almost have to make a personal point to win it. Right. It's like Kevin Durant could win the scoring title any year. You know, same 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 way that LeBron could win it every year, Um, but. You know, obviously the Warriors have some caveats that that kind of prevent him from going out of his way to do that. Donovan Mitchell at plus thirty two hundred. You know, I mean, everybody's expecting him to keep progressing. That would be a pretty big leap in year two, mm-hmm. um, but it could happen. I mean, I, I think the way the way Utah plays maybe kind of works against that a little bit. I don't like Kevin Love at plus five thousand. No. That's a terrible <laughs> bet. Um, DeRozan, no, not really. Spurs are too slow paced. Yeah, no, I'm. I don't really love and I any. I just don't like DeRozan anyway, as far as like a scorer. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like Zach Levine at plus ten thousand. It's like if the Bulls are down by thirty every game and he just goes wild in the second half. I kind of love that one actually. Yeah, that's a that's, great. That's a great plus ten thousand. That's a wild. They throw like one dollar on it. Yeah. Um. Are there any else? Anything else on this list that you want to take a look at? You can bet on All Star selections. You can bet on teams whether or not they'll make the playoffs you can bet on who's going to average the most assists yeah i I've, I've i have a few more ben simmons at plus 600 for the assist title you're not going to get great money back on that but i don't know i would feel all right about it you can get Kawhi at plus 900 to win mvp uh, you know personally i like Giannis to win the mvp but Kawhi is probably your best shot at a dark horse candidate if you're looking to go that way if you're looking to go a little bit more of a long shot, you could go Joel Embiid for plus 2,200. Um, they are undoubtedly going to feed him the ball. He's had, This is the first healthy offseason that he's essentially ever had to work on his game. Um, and we know how talented he is already. So I think plus 2,200 for him as a long shot is not bad for MVP. You can get Hassan Whiteside at plus 1,000 uh, to make the All-Star game. I mean, it's... We know that Eric Spolster doesn't love Hassan Whiteside, but they genuinely seem like they're trying to make it work. And he's been like dominating the preseason. And there's a lot of injury concerns in the East. The East isn't that deep. If Whiteside can get back to the, you know, the like 16, 13, and three that we've seen him pull up before, I think plus 1,000 to make the All Star game isn't crazy. And then finally, um, if you want uh, Derrick Rose, Isaiah Thomas, or Markel Fultz for NBA MVP, you can get them. Uh, each at plus ten thousand. Derek Rose. Derek Rose. I wouldn't even bet that at like plus a million. Ten thousand. Derek Rose. So those are real. Yeah. Wow. In the minds of, in the minds of this betting community, Derek Rose has a better chance to win the MVP than Luka Doncic does to be an All Star. He's at plus eleven thousand. Yeah, and these are some of the like you can when you when you look at some of these odds, you can find like general inconsistencies that you might be able to like theoretically take advantage of like they're not great but and we kind of talked about the finals being a foregone conclusion already but you if you look at the spurs lines they're projected to miss the playoffs at minus 110 but they have the ninth best odds to win the title at plus 6,000, and they're the second best odds to win their division mm-hmm. at plus 950 behind the rockets who are minus 550 and ahead of the pelicans who are plus 1100 so there's there's always something weird that you can find in most of these kinds of bets that you yeah. that you might be able to take advantage of. Well, especially if you want to stack bets too. Like if you want to yes, if you want to double down and like if you think the Spurs are going to win the title, you probably should bet that they're going to win the division and make the playoffs. Right. You know? um, so there's some money to be made there. Yeah, I mean, I I'm a little confused honestly by some of those odds. The the Derrick Rose MVP odds are jarring, yeah. uh, to, to say the least. But going back to what you said about Whiteside, would not bet on him to make the All Star game. But at plus a thousand, you know, there's kind of this requirement basically to have a couple big men, you know, like true centers, um, on the All Star team. And like the only the only centers with better odds than him in the East are Embiid, Horford, and Drummond. 
And so it's like all of a sudden one of those guys gets hurt or one yeah. of those guys doesn't play all that well or the Celtics have three other all-stars and, yep. and they don't want to give them four. Like it's not totally out of the question. I mean, like I said, like more there more could go wrong than go right with this white side situation. But the way he's looked like if he's if he goes into the all-star game or the all-star break averaging 17 and a half points, 14 rebounds, exactly. and like three blocks, it's going to be impossible to keep him off. Yeah. Uh, okay, we can wrap this up. I think unless you have anything else you want to talk betting-wise, fantasy-wise. Do you, do you have an NFBKC draft? Yeah, it's on Sunday. Um, and I'm going through an expert league slow draft right now um, with Shannon and, and Josh Lloyd, a basketball monster, Shannon's brother Kyle, Andre Snellings, VSPN, who used to work for us. Um, poached. Yes. <laughs> Some interesting stuff there. Another another draft where you're seeing DeAndre Ayton basically go 30th. You're seeing Doncic basically go 50 um you know Kawhi Leonard you're not gonna get him past the first round I think Butler's dropping in the in the draft that I did on Tuesday Butler you know you have the player queue which obviously everybody has their own cheat sheets and whatnot so it's it's just kind of a rough guideline but he was at the top of the best player available list for a very long time for like 20 straight picks and I I mean I don't really quite understand it because there's never like if you read if you've been reading into all this stuff he was never going to miss games no matter who he's playing for he was going to play opening night I mean, I guess there's some concern that he backs out on that or he doesn't play well because he's frustrated or they trade him somewhere and all of a sudden, you know, like, I guess, like, for example, if he went to Houston, his numbers would inherently, you would think, decline. So maybe there's, maybe that's part of the risk. But I mean, he went, uh, in the draft I did on Tuesday, he went 29th, which is quite a bit lower than you'd see him projected for that type of format. Right. And I've been pretty adamant throughout this entire thing that I don't think any of this changes Jimmy Butler's fantasy projection for me like if if you're someone who before all this blew up had jimmy butler ranked 25th i think you keep him ranked 25th you have him 30th you keep him 30th right. like i don't i think it's way too convoluted to project up or down and i think we know he's going to play games and so i think the same risks are generally there with his injuries obviously but the situation is I don't think it will affect his fantasy stock more than what maybe like five spots in either direction. It's kind of it feels like yeah. a wash. Well, to I me. think you, there's a better chance that you're gonna that you're now gonna get him at a steal in like the early 30s. You know, you're not. I don't think you're gonna take him at 25 and look back and be like, wow, I can't believe I took Butler there. Like, it seems right. it seems to me like there's a better chance he works back toward his original value. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. You'll be doing an episode tomorrow. Yes. Correct. All right, you and I'll be back next week.